This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Hello and welcome to a basketball game day version of Bulls Beat. That's right, we've got men's hoops tonight against UT. It's an exhibition. The regular season starts next Monday. Speaking of that, I was looking at the Monday schedule. Generally, it's been on a Tuesday night, and not everybody's starting to play on this Monday, but uh, pretty much everyone is. And I, as always, like to sort of dig into some things, and I observe the new conference alignments. There's been some additions that might have gone under your radar. Not talking about the power conferences, but some fun stuff and some new Division One teams. We'll talk some hoops in our next segment. Also, you're going to hear from, and this is going to be hopefully instructive if you go to the game tonight, which is free to attend at the Yingling Center, but you're going to hear my interviews from a couple weeks back with two of the newcomers. You already heard from Tyler Harris, who's expected to be the point guard, a guy that I think Bulls fans are going to love. You'll love the chat with Keyshawn Bryant and also Selton Miguel, who transferred in from respectively South Carolina and from Kansas State. In our second segment, we'll also tell you how golf is doing in its wrap-up to the fall on opposite ends of the country, both Erica Brennan's women's team in Coral Gables, and Steve Bradley's men in Carmel, California, played 36 holes on Monday. Women did a lot better than the men. We'll tell you how they set up for this final day. In this first block, we'll go around from sport to sport. We'll give you some soccer players of the week that we figured we'd be able to tell you about on the men's side. And we will also toss in some other notes, as we like to do here on the show. But again, basketball interviews coming up in a little bit, along with a golf update. And we can tell you when the next home game is going to be. It's so strange. I said it on our post-game wrap-up, actually, with Jim Lighthall when he was mentioning the Bulls' next game at Temple and how I said I didn't realize you could only have four home games. It does seem that way just because it's been so long. The Bulls had two at the beginning of their first three games at home, as you know. And then the one home game that wasn't at home really has extended their stay away from Raymond James. So finally a chance to come back to Raymond James and catch the Salute to Service game against SMU. It will be a noon kickoff, as on Monday the league announced start times for next weekend. The primetime game, and this is no surprise, will be the UCF at Tulane game. That'll be a 3.30 kick on either ESPN2 or ESPNU. Navy and Notre Dame is going to get the ABC treatment at noon next Saturday. And the Bulls will be on ESPNU. It'll be a noon kick for USF hosting SMU. The ESPN Plus offering next weekend is the Temple at Houston game. This week, as you know, the Bulls are going to Philadelphia. We'll be on the air at noon, 2 o'clock kickoff from Lincoln Financial Field. And even though, of course, he won't be playing quarterback for the rest of this season, great stuff. Hopefully you saw it or retweeted it if you didn't. But Gary Bohannon announced via his Instagram page that he is going to be coming back next year to play for the Bulls. That, I think, is a big mind easer when it comes to a lot of us. We're going to see what Trey Marsh does. That might even emphasize the importance of him continuing to play well for the last port of the season. You'll hear from Jeff Scott today. The press conference is slated to begin around 11.45, and we break into the last airing of Bulls beat to bring that to you live on USF Bulls Unlimited. His football radio show will be tomorrow at 6 o'clock, and that'll take you right up to kickoff of men's soccer. Speaking of men's soccer, we got a little bit to say about them. They were on the weekly honors. Frankly, I was a little surprised he was player of the week offensively because he only scored one goal. 
But it was a pretty important goal for Oscar Rosano and the team, I'd say. 15 seconds left, and I think the Bulls are content to maybe have one throw. It looks like they're going to try and, and do a long throw into the box here. With time ticking away, an opportunity for the Bulls. Throw in comes. And that wow. finds the back of the net. The Bulls do it. A literal buzzer beater. Two seconds left. The Bulls pull out the win. Oh, my gosh. And the USF, the South Florida sideline goes crazy. Exactly what they drew up. You know, he did not have typical offensive player of the week stats because he had two shots in that game and none in the win against Memphis. That does not ordinarily spell offensive player of the week. Clearly, the league took into consideration the importance of the shot. And just sort of to sum it up and where the Bulls are again here, and I did a little bit more digging yesterday and perspective-taking yesterday's show. We had plenty of highlights from the win against Memphis, those two incredible goals. But now we can start to you know, shake off the incredible nature of both of those wins last week and really start to zero in on what's going to be taking place on Wednesday. Rosano, the Offensive Player of the Week. If you look at it, remember the Bulls and Charlotte were getting in one extra match. FIU also played an extra match last week out of conference. So you weren't going to have, unless somebody scored two goals, much competition and no one else scored two goals. The other member of the team that was on the American Athletic Conference weekly honor roll was Sergio Pinaros Mayorga. He was part of the defense that helped slow down Charlotte and, of course, shut out Memphis. And, oh, yeah, he blasted his first career goal to wrap up the win in the latter game. So that was your weekly honors part of it. Now let's look at the importance of it. As we told you on yesterday's show, the Bulls are in fourth place, sure, but only one point out of first. They can still win the regular season title. And the updated RPI came out, and wow, what a jump from 88 to 54. That's what the Bulls got out of those wins against Charlotte and Memphis, both teams that were in the mid-30s when they played them. Charlotte has actually dropped to 51 because the 49ers, who were 8-1-2 and two not too long ago, have lost three straight 2-1 to games to teams from Florida. That'd be UCF, then the Bulls, then the other night, FIU. More on Charlotte in a second. The other part of the RPI rankings, again, which shows you how strong the American is, is with FIU, with the win against Charlotte, jumps back into the top 20. Tulsa 10, SMU 12, FIU 17. So you can't help but think, well, if the Bulls beat UCF, who are, by the way, one slot behind them in the new rankings, and then get to the conference final, could the USF Bulls actually get in without having to win the conference tournament? Unfortunately, i got to say the answer is no, but it's going to be an interesting case. The only reason I say the answer is no is the record. It's 5-5-4. Five, five, and four. So, there's only one game left in the regular season, UCF. It would almost improve their chances if the Bulls don't get any help and end up as the three seed. Again, to get into the top two, they're going to need one or both of these two things to happen. FAU at least ties FIU. That would allow the Bulls to jump over FIU. The other thing that would help the Bulls land a first-round bye is that SMU and Tulsa tie their game tomorrow night because if either of them wins, they'll stay ahead of the Bulls. And if both of those things happen, along with the Bulls beating UCF, yeah, they are the number one seed and host of the conference tournament. And then you'd really have to look at the possibility of them being an at-large. It would be hard to deny, you'd think. So it just depends on how you look at it. If you're thinking of this as... Can the Bulls get to an at-large? 
you want them to be the three seed because they get that extra game. But I would say they still don't get in at large because even with, let's say, an extra game, which would allow them to add maybe two more wins in the conference tournament, this is the scenario where they don't win it, don't get the automatic bid. Well, even with that, beat UCF, win two games in the conference tournament, then lose in the final, your overall record is 8-6-4. and four. Don't think that's good enough. However, if you think about it, you look at power conferences. In soccer, teams with that overall record are getting in because of how good their league is. And right now, the best conference is the ACC. I mean, it's got seven teams in the top 25 and three more in the top 50. I mean, they're the best conference for men's soccer. After that, remember the SEC doesn't play the sport. The Big 12 doesn't play the sport. Pac-12 only has six teams that play the sport, even though Washington is number one and Stanford is number six in the country and two more are in the top 30. So you'd have to say the Big Ten is the second best league for the sport, but the American is not that far behind. In fact, you look at the numbers right now, and they're very close in the Sun Belts even in the mix. So point is, a team, this brings it right back to the Bulls, that goes 8-6-4 and four, or maybe even 7-6-4 and four with the right quality of wins might not have to win the conference tournament. If you would have told me that the Bulls were going to be an at-large candidate going into conference play, I would have said, that's nice but it's at least something worth pointing out. They would have to beat UCF tomorrow in Orlando to get that ball rolling. Now, if you are of the mindset that that at-large is not going to happen and let's make the road to the championship as easy as possible, I'm going to put out a very strange scenario and just to point it out, and when I say easy, none of it's going to be easy. However, just keep this in the back of your mind. If the Bulls were to lose tomorrow, you wouldn't like it because it's to UCF. But one thing a loss to UCF, I guarantee you would accomplish, is it would keep Charlotte out of the conference tournament because right now there are three teams playing for the last spot. FAU has 11 points, UCF has 9, and then Charlotte has 8. Charlotte's only chance is for FAU to get beat by FIU and UCF not to beat the Bulls. So, if UCF beats the Bulls, Charlotte's not in the tournament. If USF wins, they're probably going to be at home on Sunday, which sounds great. It is. They'll probably be the three seed, and there's a good chance they'll have to beat Charlotte as the six seed, and that would be the most dangerous six seed you could think of. So a lot of intrigue all centered around tomorrow night where the seedings will be determined. No one is set into any seed right now. And again, the Bulls control their destiny for being able to, at worst, be that three seed and hosting a conference tournament game. And we'll give you everything you need to look out for tomorrow night, including, remember when I said last Thursday, the one team elsewhere you were rooting for was SMU because it would keep Memphis away from the Bulls in the bracket? Well, I'll tell you who that team is tomorrow night on tomorrow's show. But now let's go over to SMU, and that's the Bulls' opponent in the women's soccer conference semifinal on Thursday. The new computer rankings are out there, and SMU all of a sudden doesn't look like an easy opponent. In fact, SMU is ranked 41st, the Knights, who are the top seed regular season champion, 21st. SMU at 41 in the new RPI, and it's a 35-point drop-off to the next team. So even though SMU is the sixth seed and the Bulls are the two seed, uh, they're about 90 points ahead of them, according to the computers. We'll get more into that matchup on Thursday. Again, tonight we've got men's basketball, tomorrow night men's soccer, Thursday afternoon women's soccer, Friday night volleyball from the Yingling Center, Saturday afternoon football, Sunday could be as many as three games, and then next Monday a doubleheader to start off the regular season in basketball. Other than that, 
Not much going on. Also, baseball over the weekend. I saw Drew Brutcher hit a 440-foot home run in the exhibition against Stetson. They just announced they're headed to Tallahassee to play a game this Saturday. So the fall ball season is uh, pretty extensive for Billy Moles, guys. A couple guys that are new to the men's basketball squad that you'll be able to see in action tonight, Keyshawn Bryant and Selton Miguel. will also tell you what golf is up to as it's wrapping up the fall portion of its schedule, that and more when Bulls Beat continues. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. We'll talk a little bit about tonight's broadcast. Yeah, we'll be on the air. When I say we, I'm not going to be. Actually, I'll probably be on at halftime. Jim Lighthall likes to pull me on at halftime. Uh, but it'll be he and Joey Johnston calling the action for the Bulls against the UT Spartans. So if you're going to the Yingling Center, a couple new guys to look out for among many on the team. We've got the, of course, freshman Ryan Conwell. We did not do an interview with him, but I have a feeling you're going to like him. And some of the D1 transfers, Tyler Harris wearing number two, should be the point guard. And the two that you're about to hear from, all-around talents, number one, Celta Miguel, followed by Keyshawn Bryant, high-flying number 23. We had a chance to catch up with them among many players a couple weeks back. Here's how that went. I think you're going to enjoy these conversations. All right, so here we go with a man who looks like you know a little bit about uh, social media. Tell people what your Instagram is. Is that the one you're mostly on? Yeah, yeah. When you're not playing basketball, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I'm mostly on Instagram. Everybody know Hollywood. I sell. This is my Instagram. (laughs) I mean, I like Instagram, so I'm on there. (laughs) Do you you put together fancy productions on Instagram, like you get fancy with it? Yeah, sometimes. I guess sometimes, but... I was off this whole month just because getting focused on basketball and everything. So sure, but now nah, we back on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's good that you're getting focused yeah, yeah. on basketball. I figured that. Yeah. Uh, how do you like? Uh, you've you've been here obviously for what uh, I'm guessing a few weeks, a month. Uh, what's it been like so far coming uh, back to Florida? Transfer Kansas State, like everybody know, um, came here over the summer. We've been here for like I would say four four or five months That's already. A while. Okay. Yeah, uh, summer. Time is flying. By yeah, the way, it's going to be yeah, here summer and now. And then uh, I like it. I like Tampa. I like the team. I like the coaches. Um, I mean, everything got to go through ups and downs. Like, sure. I mean, you know what I mean. We just—it's a new—it's a whole new team. We getting to know each other, uh, building chemistry uh, on and off the court, and I think everything's just been good so far. No complaints. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. You know, I got to ask. You know, I knew you came from Kansas State, but you were born in Angola. I mean, when did you move to the states? Tell people a little bit about your background. Oh, uh, so I was born in Angola, of course. Um, I lived there until I was like 11. Okay. And then from when I was 11, I went to Portugal. I lived in Portugal for like four years. <laughs> and then when I was 15 or 14, I was turning 15. That's when I moved to the States. Yeah, I moved here. Um, Orlando, came to Orlando. Right. That's when I went to school at West Oaks Academy. And then from there, I was just there. I played high school there in Orlando, graduated, went to Kansas State. Now I'm here. Well, that's incredible. But yeah. I, we'll get to here in a second. But I got to ask one more question. What was yeah. it? What was your basketball playing like at those ages in those two countries? Was it pretty popular? Were you ha- were you always a basketball player? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, at first, I stopped playing basketball in Angola for sure. But then when I went to Portugal, I was like, because I was good at soccer and basketball. Nah. So I was. Soccer is like, my favorite sport, yeah, by the way. So, so I'm feeling you. Yeah. And in Europe, they they really like soccer. Yeah. yeah. So I went there to play soccer, to be honest. But then <laughs> I just got I started getting too tall for soccer. <laughs> So then I was like, oh, I might as well just stick with basketball. And then I just fell in love with basketball. Never like wanted to play under the sport again. So you were you were the good size for basketball. Yeah, then. I was uh, the good size for basketball. Tell, yes, tell me, tell me about like wh- what were you good at at the beginning when you played basketball, and what did you have to improve, and where are you at with your game now? Uh, I feel like uh, when I was like 13, 12, I think I was just getting like learn the whole. 
been how to be a basketball player first. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, just to learn the little things, just how to shoot, how to pass, um, <laughs> trying to adjust my speed, how, like, when can I play, how, when can I shoot, things like that. But then I think when I got here, that's when the thing, like, I was still young, I was 15, but, like, that's the thing that really woke me up. It was my uh, high school coach. It was really, like, took time with me, like, to de develop me and then improve every day. Nice. And then from there, I think, like, just having a different IQ of the game and everything, so got easier for me. And then just all three countries had played different basketballs, different, of like, course, styles. Of course, right. So, like, I really like the American style. That's why I really got, like, into it, you know. Can I, mean? I guess is the American style different? Is one part of it more physical? Is that right? Or I'll say it. I'll say yeah, it's definitely more physical. But now NBA is different because yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. call in the fouls now. So oh my gosh, I hate that I mean? too. Yeah, oh, so the flopping, you can't yeah, have that. Flopping. You're not a yeah, flopper, are you? Because no, you're no. a soccer guy, you know. We can talk I mean, about I flopping. Flop when right? I take a charge, though. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I played soccer and basketball in high school. I was on the high school team, and one thing that I and you would appreciate this different between yeah. basketball and soccer is like yeah. if you go from playing basketball and you go to play soccer you got to remember you can't set a screen in soccer you but you, are, you're yeah, right because right, i yeah, did yeah, that yeah, a couple yeah. times and they <laughs> said that's obstruction yeah, oh yeah, yeah you're right uh, now now finally as far as uh, tell people that haven't seen you play what to expect from your game well, yes, what position do you play what, yeah. what what's your best uh, part of your game so you, you don't have to be humble yeah, 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 yeah uh but i was gonna give you humble i mean yeah. people didn't see me yet i mean i'm a whole different player than I was two years ago even when i played at kansas state i came here to show that um, the things I didn't do these past two years, I can show that this year, my passing ability, my scoring ability, and just a dog. I mean, I'm ah, just a dog, you know I what like I mean? Just, I mean, I hope we out there to see this year, you know what I mean? So everything going to be good. Excellent. So we, yes, we can call you a dog. That's a compliment? Yeah, it's a compliment. All right, dog. Thank you, Self. <laughs> no problem. All right, with my guy, Keyshawn Bryant, Bulls Beat here. And first of all, i got to start off with Polk County because I'm a Plant City guy and I went to Florida <laughs> Southern, so let's start there. And I think Polk County is underrated as far as the quality of high school basketball. Before we get into your college career, what's, what's your memories of playing at Winter Haven? Uh, Winter Haven was, you know, some of the some of the greatest memories I you know I ever had. You feel me? Playing with Coach Woodside, you feel me? Playing with uh, – a bunch, of, a bunch of guys I grew up going with. So, you know, coming back from hunting prep my junior year to go back senior year and going to state, you know, was something I always wanted to accomplish. You know, I was happy that I was able to do that with that group of guys. Awesome. Tell people about the Huntington Prep experience before you got back. Uh, what did you learn there? What, what did that do for you? Uh, Huntington Prep was definitely, you know, a big game changer for me overall, you know, just being able to get used to a college play style, like game style, so, and just getting used to the traveling and, and just learning that I had to work out each and every day like that. And so it kind of like I was able to take away that and go back home with it and me kind of like pass it on to other guys. Yeah, that's that's no small thing. And, of course, you, you got a pretty good college basketball experience in the SEC. You got right into the lineup for the Gamecocks. You started basically every game as a sophomore. What was that whole uh, experience like? I mean, you, you learned a lot, I'm sure. Uh, for me, playing Frank was amazing, man. Yeah. I, obviously, I learned a lot in life. I've been there since I was 18, leaving them at 22. So got, got a great relationship with them, great history there. Just – my most, my biggest thing takeaway there was just discipline, being able to discipline myself in certain things like that was just holding me back. Coach Martin seems like a guy that's pretty, uh, like you said, disciplinarian. But does he have a softer side every now and then? <laughs> every now and then, if you get him, if you get him, get him soft, he he you'll see a little soft side. But 
It's, it's all it's all business on the court. <laughs> Shaking your head. Yeah, just so, just so you know, he and uh, Jose Fernandez, who's a women's basketball coach here, were uh, college buddies and roommates. So yeah. if you ever talk to Jose, make sure you drop some Frank stuff uh, in on him. <laughs> and now, uh, uh, coming here, um, you know, obviously you wanted to come back home, but what drew you specifically to USF? We're so happy you're here. Uh, most importantly, like you said, I wanted to come back home, but most importantly, come back to college because I still feel like I had something to prove. So. Yeah. In your mind, what do you have to improve as far as your overall game goes? Uh, definitely still working on my jumper, continue to prove that uh, I felt like I showed it a little bit last year, running my senior year running at that four, but it kind of felt like I, I held, I was still held back a little bit on certain things. So coming here with just, I mean, just tweaking the skills a little bit more and just, just blossoming a little bit more. It's funny you say that because the first practice we got to peak a little bit and I was, you know, waiting for you to, you know, do some, you wear number 23 Jordan like dunks <laughs> and all that. And then I saw you step back and take, what, what? Well, he can shoot. Uh, did no. I saw, I noticed that you tried more threes last year. Is that something you think you've improved? Oh, uh, definitely. Feel me. Uh, coming in from my, my sophomore year and then junior year, I definitely, feel me, shot the ball more and the, the stats went up. You feel me? So I felt like I was, I was feeling, shooting it better and then going into senior year. Frank told me to shoot it, but it's just the way we played with the offensive game and me having to play the four a little bit because of the lack of uh, people we had at the four last year. So it kind of like just stopped, put a little pause on me stepping back on outside game and kind of like made me play a little bit more with my back towards the basket a little bit more. So so uh, you, obviously you can move around. But tell, no. tell people what you normally play. I guess, I'm guessing it's the three, but what? Uh, I definitely, I normally play the three, but because I'm a big guard, I could, I could defend four and I guard a little bit of one and two also. Awesome. Okay, now we got to get to the dunks. Uh, get get people ready for what they might see on the court from you, if things work out. Uh, first fast break, you might see a windmill uh, 360. <laughs> uh, do you have like a, a highlight reel or anything like that people can go watch, or uh, just uh, just wait till the games? Oh, <laughs> well, you can just wait till the games. Hopefully, I see a lot of people there. So I'm just 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 wait till the game, obviously. And then uh, last thing, I mean, I, I kind of half-jokingly alluded to your number, number 23. Is that on purpose? Was Jordan an influence there? Obviously. So, you know, I wore 23 at, 24 at South Carolina. Uh-huh. So, I, I wore 23 in high school. That okay. was my favorite number. 24 was just something I had to get because 23 wasn't available for me at South Carolina. And Kobe Bryant is my dad's favorite player. So, I just did the, the number thing for my pops. Excellent, excellent. So, I got the chance to get my number back. I came home. I got it. Excellent. And oh, I mean, you mentioned Bryant. I mean, uh, the last name's a coincidence, but Keyshawn, was, was he a fan of Keyshawn Johnson or something like that? Or is that, that just a, a coincidence as well? I heard I actually got my name, my first name from Keyshawn Johnson. Okay. There we get, <laughs> my we mom get, told me that. We got the inside scoop. Hey, pleasure and look forward to seeing your Thank high you. line stuff. And again, he doesn't just dunk the ball, but that's something that will get you out of your seats apparently. Looking forward to that last year. South Carolina went 19-13 and 13 overall. They were 500 in the decent little basketball conference, the SEC, and he was a starter for Frank Martin's team. Scored in double figures nine times, four full years at South Carolina. While Selton will be in his third year in college, he started right out of the gate at Kansas State as a freshman, was third on the team in minutes, averaged right above seven points exactly in each of his first two seasons. The UT Spartans coached by Richard Smith in his 41st year. When I say that's as long as I can remember him being their head coach, I was there at the Martinez Center. I'm not sure if that's what it was called back then, but it was the year after the NC State Wolfpack of Jim Valvano won the national championship, and they actually came to UT and led by Terry Rupp, the Spartans won. So I go way back with them and, of course, have some love for the Sunshine State Conference because my alma mater is Florida Southern. The Spartans picked to finish right in the middle of the conference at six. They were above 500 last year, solid. Did not remember this or 
frankly pay much attention, but Nova Southeastern, which is the preseason pick to win that league, was 31-0 and last season until losing in the Division Two Elite Eight. And one team that they beat was Savannah State. Well, you want to bring it all back to not making this all about me, but their head coach, of course, Horace Brodnax, they dropped out of Division One. Oh, yeah, I said earlier, college basketball getting going, and I always like to sort of take stock in the new conferences, and I definitely did not realize there were several new Division One programs, and I still have to look up where some of them are. Stonehill, Lindenwood, Southern Indiana, I can pretty much guess where they are, but yeah, did you know that the Missouri Valley, along with adding Belmont and Murray State, has also added Valpo and UIC, so that's probably going to evolve into a top 10 conference now. The Colonial, as you know, one of those mid-majors tried to improve itself, added Stony Brook out of the Ohio Valley and Monmouth, which you know, there's some changes. And of course, the American is going to change next year with the addition of six from the Conference USA and the subtraction of a pretty decent team in Houston, along with Cincinnati and UCF. Golf playing 36 holes, both the men and the women, on Monday. Women were in a good spot heading into the final round. They were four under par, shot identical 286s. UNLV was the leader at 12 under par. SMU, which is, of course, a conference friend of the Bulls, enters this as the second highest ranked team, was in third place. And the Bulls in the running for a championship. We'll let you know how they do on tomorrow's show. Melanie Green was actually in first place after one round. She ended up going 69, 300 par, but then three over in her second round, again, 36 holes on Monday. Alize Vidal also shot three under in her first round and followed that up with a one under par, so she was in the top five heading in to the final day, 18 holes underway as you're hearing this. That's at the Biltmore in Coral Gables, hosted by the University of Miami. And again, we'll let you know how things go tomorrow. 36 holes for the men at the Cal Poly Invitational in beautiful Carmel, California. And unfortunately, Cal Poly was the only team that had a worse day than the Bulls. Actually, the first round was fine if the Bulls had duplicated their 5 under 283. They would have entered round three, tied with Marquette for third place, but instead 12th out of 13 teams at four over par. Northwestern entering the final round at 27 under. Ohio State 19 under and Marquette 10 under. A couple of West Coast schools, Washington and Oregon right behind them and SMU had a 7-under first day. They also struggled on their second. 18 went from a 7-under first round to an even par. Second round, the Bulls were 5-under, but then 9-over. That's going to wrap up Bulls Beat. We'll let you know how golf does on tomorrow's show. We'll preview a big men's soccer war on I-4, along with some clips from today's press conference with Jeff Scott as well. And for the first time, we'll have some basketball highlights. We'll continue to bring you some more interviews on the women's side as well. And a reminder that tonight, Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston take the air live from the Yingling Center a little bit before 7 o'clock. No 30-minute pregame, just exhibition action. So we'll let those guys get their voices tuned up for next week when we'll have the Monday night doubleheader for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. So highlights tomorrow. It'll be a busy Bulls beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.